This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Yannick Noah. Hey, it's Ryan Oliver from Atlanta, Georgia, America's largest recreational tennis city. And it's time for another great edition of the Tennis Podcast. Well, hello, folks, and welcome to the first of two weekly tennis podcasts this week, or bi-weekly tennis podcasts for this week as we get into the nitty-gritty of the 2022 US Open series. Thank you to Ryan Oliver, who you heard there in our intro. Ryan is from America's largest recreational tennis city. Interested to know the metrics on that, Ryan? Let me know who's compiling that data. David, where do you think Solihull ranks among the UK's recreational tennis cities? I don't know, but I think at least I've added to it a little bit over the last week, having defeated oh. Solihull Simon, uh, 6-3, 6-3. Uh, Jeremy Bates <laughs> was also from uh, Solihull, would you believe? Um, so, I don't know, it, it feels kind of quietly thriving, but I don't... Jeremy Bates was from Solihull? Yes, apparently so. Um, so hang on, there have been two British number ones from Solihull? Well, you know... I could have been the third, if only. I was I was expecting to make fun of Solihull in this segment, but that is actually quite <laughs> impressive. Yeah. That is a disproportionately Tennessee town. It it is, and yet there's not a lot of it around. I don't think. Re- I mean, you know, there are there are tennis places to play, but I I think I wouldn't be claiming what Ryan's claiming necessarily. Put it that way. Yeah, Ryan, we're just like, we're not doubting the veracity of what you say. We'd just love to see the numbers to to back it up. Sounds a lot like we're doubting, doesn't it? (laughs) Um, Matt, is Bogner your nearest town? Where do you think Bogner ranks? You actually, you live right around the corner from a tennis club. I do, yes. And unlike David, I'm I'm not really contributing uh, to the the tennis going on here. I, I do need to get round to that. I... I grew up right by Surbiton Tennis Club. I feel like that's up. That's got to be up there as a as a tennis yes, venue Surbiton, in this country. Surbiton must punch above its weight. Mm, I think so. Absolutely, uh, David. Could uh, your recent run of tennis form have anything to do with your brand new racket and strings? 
I think it, it could do. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, two days earlier, if you'd have asked me that question, I would have given you a rather more negative answer because I played doubles <laughs> and I couldn't get the ball in. I just, I kept overhitting and I was convinced. You know, it's the first time I'd ever used the racket. I was convinced it's the racket. I can't get the, I can't get the ball in the court. And then I, and then when I played the singles two days later, I, I seriously considered using my old Wilson racket and and I thought no that that's not the way to go is it that that's I'm blaming the equipment and so I had another go and I I, I, I pulled my margins in as they say you should do oh uh, basically I stopped trying to play like one of the players I watch did you, every week did you uh, did you put some extra shape on the ball <laughs> I did and uh, and and lo and behold I actually didn't double faults at all and I didn't make any like glaring unforced errors and I allowed Solihull Simon to to commit them all my dad would like to know how you're getting on with the new strings I liked it I mean I don't have Mm. any idea really whether it was responsible in any way for my good play but I really enjoyed playing with the racket so you know I've just been in a great mood ever since that win because they they're few and far (laughs) between I've felt great all week uh, well, we're all enjoying our brand new Wilson rackets. If you would like to bask in some Wilson glow, uh, you have the opportunity. You, I mean the listener, not you, David. Oh. Uh, you, the listener, have the opportunity to do just that. Because tomorrow, Tuesday the 9th of August, we're launching a competition in our newsletter for Friends of the Tennis Podcast. So... All friends will be eligible to enter the competition in association with Wilson. They are offering a pair of tickets to the US Open. It's for the day session on Tuesday, the 6th of September. It's a pair of tickets on the Louis Armstrong Arena, so the equivalent of Court 1 at Wimbledon, but also that ticket gives you access to all other courts besides the Arthur Ashe Stadium. So... You need to make sure you're signed up to the newsletter. And if you want to enter the competition, you need to become a friend of the Tennis Podcast if you aren't already. Then, of course, you also get access to the 19 exclusive podcasts that we've already produced for friends this year and many, many more to come. So the link to do all of that, to sign up to the newsletter first and foremost, and then to sign up as a friend is in our show notes. And by the way... Our flights are booked for the US Open, so we will be there alongside our competition winners. Yay! I'm so so excited just hearing you say that. (laughs) Oh, I can't wait. New York, I have missed you, and uh, I can't wait to come back. We're all going to be on the same flight, which is great for me because it means help carrying my bags. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) And wonderful company. Uh, We can talk about tennis the whole way to New York, just like we're going to do for the next 45 minutes or so, because the US Open Series got underway in earnest this week. We're going to start in San Jose in the WTA 500 event that was going on there, won by Daria Kazakina. She beat Shelby Rogers 6-7, 6-1, in the final um, Matt put together the agenda for this week, as he always does. And I'm not saying it's not sterling work, Matt, but absolutely no mention of puppies in the San Jose <laughs> section. And I do feel like that's probably what, what people, what the people want. I just knew there was no need to write it down because it's, okay. it's <laughs> right, you know, on the tip of your tongue. And I was correct. 
<laughs> you get at it about, about um, oh my gosh, I've forgotten her name, Victoria Kuzmova. And I get and at I did it this whenever. Week, by the way. W- yes, you did. Sorry. She's she's wearing high knee socks, mm, it's, Kuzmova. It's a trying, development. She's trying anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, I get at it uh, when any dog features in the tennis world in any meaningful way and uh, I appreciate that and this week puppies were carried onto court for no apparent reason and P.S. there doesn't need to be a reason uh, by the finalists in San Jose and I absolutely loved it. Shelby Rogers walking onto court cradling a tiny little puppy is just wonderful and she had quite a week did Shelby Rogers Um, but not quite as good a week as Daria Kazakina who is somebody that you know we we try and remain neutral as much as possible but I'm going to find it hard not to root very very hard for Daria Kazakina in every match that I see her play from from now on you know it's a it's a feel-good win to to see her do that. Yeah, and and the reason for that is is the conversation you and Charlie and and Matt all had a couple of weeks ago in my absence, which I was so interested to hear that that show and that conversation about her her coming out and 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 the interview she'd given and the heartfelt emotions that were so, that were so raw in that interview and and this is the first time so I don't know whether it's the first time she's played since then, so it's certainly the first time I've seen her play tennis since then and. I mean, I'm, I'm reluctant to, to to draw sort of cause and effect in, in in somebody's results, but certainly she played in a in a free manner, in a in a manner that was truly uplifting, actually, to watch as a. a I mean, look, you know, you know that I've been a fan of hers ever since I first clapped eyes on her, just as a tennis player. I mean, I, I I've never met her personally. She always comes across really well, I think, whenever you do see her speak. But you, you, you've predicted her to win pretty much every week, apart from this one. Yes, and I've gained points once in about four years as a result. But and and of course, this is the week that I didn't decide to to back her. Um, so Jessica Bagula, it's all your fault. Um, but d- just watching Kasekina and the players she came through. I mean, she had a really tough run to this title. She beat Arena Sabalenka. She beat Paola Badosa. Uh, she beat uh, Elena Rybakina. You know, these are these are amazing players that she beat on her way. And then Shelby Rogers in the final and the the final sets that she was putting down on people. She put three six love sets down on people in in second or third set. To, to close out matches fantastic form she found uh, and I think you're right I mean I I think I will always sort of root for her as a tennis player but um there is there is something else there now as well yeah there was a definite similarity to all of her matches I felt this week kind of as you said David those that list of opponents they're all stylistically quite similar they've all got a lot more power than Kasakina does um Rybakina Sabalenka Rogers in the final and and she went down a set didn't she a lot against those players and then just took over kind of in the in the second and third sets won them really convincingly it's like the first set it's like she goes out and thinks first set fact-finding mission second set (laughs) 
start yeah, doing the thing distraction mode and, yeah. and and yet and yet it's such a soft distraction because it is still with variety and it's in it's in her own way i felt like she was probably hitting the ball a little bit harder than i have seen but still it was it was her tennis and i think she backs herself physically in the in these matches as well and yeah there really was something quite quite powerful about uh, her winning just so soon after giving after giving that interview and yeah talk about someone looking free and and happy and she played like that and of course this is i think the oldest women's only tournament isn't it in in San Jose it was it was co-founded i think by Billie Jean King and there was something kind of perfect about that as well you know her her winning that after coming out and taking such a political bold stance it just you know we probably look for meaning when there isn't any sometimes, but that to me stood out as as a kind of a narrative of this week. And her girlfriend was obviously front and center, and in in all of the celebrations, it was it was just a really uplifting week um, to watch and for her as well. Do you know, do you know Catherine? Just quickly, your your point about her being on a fact finding mission. I almost think that the, the that may be true about the way she approaches tennis matches because I think she's that good. She's that brainy as a tennis player that maybe she does go out and feel an opponent's game and then work out how she's going to just pick it apart Mm. Mm. yeah yeah. i mean variety is back isn't it in tennis not exclusively you know we've just had elena rabatkina win wimbledon who she's not one-dimensional but she's she's a power player she's a more sort of 90s or perhaps naughty style women's tennis player you know the the era that uh, Lindsay Davenport and Serena and v- Venus Williams ushered in. But we, there are more sort of Hingis types coming back, aren't there? Mm. There's a real mixture of styles that can all be successful. And I love it. Yeah, so do I. I, Me I mean, too. I, I wonder whether as well, maybe somebody like her, who she's almost like the extreme of that. Um, I wonder whether she has watched... Ons Jabeur this last six months and before that Ash Barty who she'd beaten at Wimbledon one year and and Igor Sviantek to some degree but particularly Ons Jabeur and just thought well if she can do it if she can reach a Grand Slam mm. final playing like that and win big titles really why can't I do that? Yeah and I think from a game style point of view she should be inspired by those players you mentioned and from Rebecca winning Wimbledon that should inspire a player like Kasatkina because I you know I felt like um we had a little shift at Wimbledon this year with Rebecca winning it wasn't one of the very top players like we've had winning slams in Barting and and Iga Sviantek and it wasn't a complete surprise like Craig Shikova or Raducanu it was one of those players who's been really good on tour and took a step up and I feel like Kasatkina is kind of in that in that zone in the ranking she's back inside the top 10 now I think um I still think probably there are some players who could hit her off the court if they have a really good day um but she can also as you said pick apart opponents and I I feel like Kasakina you know she's third in the race this year as as Nadal would want us to bring up she's been one of the best players and it feels like there's steps for her still to take Yeah, behind uh, Sviantek and, and um, Ons Jabeur. And that was with not being able to play Wimbledon. Not that she not that she would have gained any points from, from being able to play Wimbledon. So actually, ignore that comment. But <laughs> she, 
let's remind ourselves that she was. It does put to into perspective Wimbledon. the the situation we're in 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 the world, though, doesn't it? And in the tennis world, how that's been affected. That you think about those things, and then you have to remind yourself how how it's changed, how the world has how how the sport has been impacted. And is it? I mean, that's one of the sort of storylines across last week how successful Russian players were we'll come on to talk about Daniil Medvedev winning in Los Cabos Andre Rublev played some played some good tennis we had a, a, a women's winner in Washington as well Lyudmila Samsonova the Russians have in the initial stages come back from from their ban pretty strongly just staying in in San Jose for a moment because there are a couple of other notable results and performances that we should touch upon Coco Goff facing Naomi Osaka and winning and just I mean I was so sure she was going to win that tournament after she beat Naomi Osaka I thought that was a a brilliant performance one of you two it was a rare moment where I couldn't tell which one of you was in control of our Twitter account (laughs) one of you tweeted just how good is Coco Goff right now I think probably David oh yeah oh yeah I mean you could probably tell that because she lost in the next round (laughs) Mm. To, to a really good Paola Bedosa performance, and that's a good week for Bedosa reaching reaching the semi-finals. But after that Osaka win, was was I was I wrong? To, I mean, ob- obviously I was wrong, but was I naive? Was I silly to think? I just thought this is tournament-winning tennis from Coco Goff. Wow, she was stunning. She was absolutely brilliant in that match. Um... I think it was the fourth time they played each other. I think they've got a very even head-to-head. It is it, it is actually developing into quite a nice rivalry. Um, she just looks so good. Her movement, knowing when to pull the trigger on her shots, uh, the, the forehand stood up really well. Obviously, we know how good the backhand is. It was all there. It was a brilliant performance. And she had to face quite a lot of adversity in that second set when it looked like she wasn't going to have to. She was absolutely cruising. And then suddenly Osaka had this real grit and fight back and I think saved seven match points before eventually Goff won it on her eighth. And yeah, I I really felt like she was going to go on to probably win the tournament as well. I was with you. Um, I must say, I I felt quite good about Osaka given given the way she did come back in that match it was she was well off the pace to begin with a lot of errors um she just hasn't played that much tennis of course but she looks fit she's got her dad back with her which I think she seems really kind of happy about she's she's given some really positive quotes about sort of the place she's in in her life at the moment and I just think if she can get some matches under her belt in Toronto and in Cincinnati over the next couple of weeks I kind of saw enough in that fight back in that second set to suggest that she might not be that far away Osaka from from really starting to play well again this is obviously the time of year that she likes back on the hard courts and and that excites me as well I was I was sort of buoyed by that whole match really for, for, for you know for both players yeah me too brilliant brilliant to see her back and to know that this is just the start of quite a long sequence mm. of her playing tournaments has has been too much stuttering with with Naomi Osaka for her and for us I think in terms of really getting invested in in her progress so I'm really looking forward to seeing what she will what she'll do over the course of the next few weeks um there was a win for a, a familiar-ish name Elizabeth Mandlick who is the daughter 
of Hannah Mandlikova. She qualified and won a round before losing 7-6 in the third in the second round to Paula Bedosa. Now, I remember I interviewed Hannah Mandlikova a couple of years ago now during, you know, the the real thick of COVID um, in one of the lockdowns for a Wimbledon relived episode about Jana Novotna. It was an absolutely wonderful interview she gave incredibly moving and if you want to listen to that it's um it's it's in our feed available for you to for you to listen to and she had just come off the practice court with her daughter and and the the chit chat between us before we started the interview was um about what she's doing with her life now and she she'd said she's you know I'm I'm sort of back on the road as a coach and I said oh that's interesting who are you coaching said my daughter and so I thought, oh, I'll I'll look out for that name. And then I saw the name Hannah, Ma- um, <laughs> the name Elizabeth Mandlick pop up, and I thought, huh, that's uh, that's that was an interesting one. And so it turned out to be. So watch this space for Elizabeth Mandlick. Do, uh, did we? I didn't actually see any of her tennis. Um, just saw the results. What do we think of her? Yeah, I saw a bit of her match against Badosa and she served for it twice and just couldn't quite close it out. Um, quite an aggressive game style. Um, I thought Badosa gave some interesting quotes afterwards where she said that she was surprised by how good she was and probably speaking for all of us. And yet at the same time, Mandelik had just beaten Jill Teichman in qualifying and Alison Risk in round one. Those are very, very impressive wins, but... It was the first time I think she'd even hit with top 100 players, she said. She just hasn't had that exposure, that that experience. And yeah, she, she really played well. She's sort of risen up the ITF ranks. Um, and she said she wants to win Wimbledon because it's the one that Hannah, Hannah her mother, didn't win. Oh, the oh. great line. Yeah, um, that's a good interview on the oh. WTA website with her. And yeah, so... As you said, one to watch. I wonder whether she'll get a US Open mm. wildcard, for example. She got a qualifying wildcard into um, into San Jose last week. Well, she could get a qualifying wildcard into the US Open and win it. <laughs> it's the done thing that's, now. That's how it rolls. <laughs> um, it didn't mention much about Shelby Rogers, by the way, the beaten finalist. I saw her first round match against Bianca Andreescu uh, and was really impressed by her. She looks fit and strong and happy and healthy and clutching puppies. She just <laughs> looks in such a great place and she's a really lovely presence on a tennis court. Bianca Andrescu did, she got slightly worrying looking treatment in that match for her, for her lower back and hip area, which is just, that there was a moment when the, the physio came out and was assessing her and she was, telling her to get into position for the treatment which was lying on her front and uh, the physio just looked at her and said Bianca you know the drill I know and um, my heart just sunk because we all know the drill Um, so look don't know big week for her this week in Toronto isn't at her home tournament former champion she won it of course before going on to win the US Open wish her well but Shelby Rogers was was brilliant and she's just She's just a sort of lovely presence on tour, isn't she? Even when she's not clutching puppies. She seems to have grown in confidence as to who she is as a, as a tennis player. I mean, I think she's always been comfortable in her own skin. That's how she's come across as as somebody incredibly popular in the locker room. But I think she had that run at the US Open last year. She beat Ash Barty, but then she 
she's built on that. She came into this year clearly determined to to just get the best out of whatever she's got. And she is, as you said, looks to be in superb shape. She, I think she beat Maria Sakkari for the loss of about four games. You know, these are, these are proper wins. And, uh, yeah, I mean, perfect surface for her. She's going to have the crowd behind her. It, it could be a, quite, a, quite a month coming up. Doesn't sound great for your big Greek prediction, that, does it, Matt? The whole year has not been great for my big Greek prediction, if we're being honest. Um, I did see some interesting quotes from Zachary over the weekend in, in Toronto talking about just how tough she's found it being one of the top players in the world and just how she has not enjoyed the pressure on her and I think quite a moment for her to sort of admit that. It sounded like she'd really spoken mm. to her team quite a lot. She she spoke about it in press, really candid um, and she said, "You're going to see a new Maria over the next three months. So m- maybe there's oh. maybe there's life yet in my prediction. <laughs> she needs to she needs to pass that on to <laughs> Stephanos as well. Who, yeah, let's not get into him for the time being. Uh, the doubles title in San Jose was won by Ifan Shu and Zhao Shan Yang." Uh, in Washington, we had another Russian winner on the women's side. Lyudmila Samsonova beat Kaya Kanepi 4-6-6-3-6-3 in the final. She had beaten Emma Raducanu en route to that title in the quarterfinals. I watched um, quite a bit of that match. Good good week for Raducanu. Two wins, 7-6-6-1 uh, eventual defeat in that quarterfinal. Lyudmila Samsonova who came onto all of our radars, I think, last year, didn't she, when she won the title in the lead-up to Wimbledon and the Wimbledon wildcard suddenly became a thing and then sort of dropped off the radar again quite quickly. And here she is, she's back. Maybe she'll just be one of those, hey, here I am, popping up, winning a title every now and again, now and again type players. Somebody you don't want to have to face if you're a top player. And because she's she's dangerous. So, am I right in thinking she she was on your radar, Matt, at the Billie Jean King Cup finals as as one of the one of the threats? And I mean, well, I, I watched most of this final against Kaya Kanepi, who who by the way is 37 years of, of age and was trying to win her first title in nine years. <laughs> she couldn't quite get over the line. She had a bit of treatment, but this this was a match that was just two players trying to sock each other off the court at the same time. The whole time. It was very, very entertaining on that level just because it was some of the tennis was silly. You know, they were trying, trying shots that just were not on at all. And it did lead to a heck of a lot of errors. I mean, it's not, I think it's quite a difficult match for a crowd to get into because there aren't that many rallies in it. But as a first round opponent, I mean, Sam Sonova, I don't know what she's ranked today with the new rankings, but she came into last week as 60 in the world. You know, so. Chances are she probably won't be seeded at the US Open or maybe she'll get into the outskirts of it. But she could end up playing a top player quite early on. And uh, you, you wouldn't want to play her on a hard court. She's got proper ammunition. Yeah, I agree. I think she's up to around 40 now. And, you know, it'll probably take another really good week, I guess, to get into 42. the seedings. Yeah. So, but you're right, David. It was at the Billie Jean King Cup last year where obviously I'd seen her in Berlin. I'd seen her win that title on the grass. But it was it was in prague where i was so impressed because that was a you know a stacked russian team 
and it was Samsonova that emerged as as kind of the key player. I think she won all five matches she played that week across singles and doubles, and just took players apart with her power. I I, I did expect her to to kick on a bit more this this season, but perhaps you're right. Perhaps just it's so difficult to constantly put that kind of tennis together. But when you do put it together, it's going to be winning tennis like we saw this week. She's she's really dangerous. Do you know what else is silly, by the way? Go on. The, 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 the temperatures in Washington oh. in, in early August... It's too much, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, well, I've, se- I've seen over the years, I've seen players who traditionally have been known to love the heat look so uncomfortable in, in the heat in Washington. I remember Andre Agassi playing Stefan Edberg in 1995 and there was vomiting on the court from both players, you know, and it was, and, and Agassi loves the, the, the sort of not necessarily enjoying the heat himself but enjoying what the heat does to his opponents because of his game style the way he can make them suffer Brad Gilbert would always say to me Andre's a great heat player because he makes the opponents suffer he, he would always tell us this but you know watching Andy Murray play his match uh, uh, against Mikhail Imer the other day oh god that, that's enough to put you off ever wanting to go to Washington to, I think you said, to play sport, Catherine. Ne- remind me never to do sport in Washington, D.C. I, I, I watched Andy Murray age. Yeah. He, Ten he, years. He's thinking, why match. have I signed up for this tournament right now? And look, it's a great tournament. I, I think that they they have a lovely approach to and pride in that, in that tournament. And I think the, the tournament director does a, a really good job and, and they, they really make it the best they can be. But just as a, as a physical experience for the for so many players there that is not healthy <laughs> those conditions it felt to me like there were more day session matches this year i mean i i could be wrong but i they they used to start play at 4 p.m in the afternoon i right. believe um, and it, i think it might be because it's gone back to a mixed event which i obviously support you know very generally speaking but i think they they just need extra time in the schedule to fit the matches in. Yeah. And that means starting earlier. And the men's draw is a sixty four draw, isn't it? I mean I think seeds have buyers, but you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of matches to get through compared to, for example, Queens, which is an equivalent event. There's only, it's only thirty two draw and yeah, I watched um I think Fritz Evans was on at the same Ooh. time as Radicanu Asori. I was watching those two matches double screening and Raducanu and Osorio were just having these really long, grueling games and rallies. It was almost it's almost three hours for two sets, and then Fritz had to retire against against Evans, and it was just grueling and tough to watch, let alone play. You know, just players with ice packs on their heads and round their bodies this is, at changeovers. This is Taylor Fritz, the the San Diego native. You know, he's. I mean, he did do a post about it afterwards, didn't he? Saying that his injury had prevented him mm. from doing, you know, the full sort of fitness work that he would have wanted to have done by that stage of the the hard court season. But even so, you know, he's not in he's not in bad shape. And there he was, just looking. He. I mean, he he talked about being dizzy, didn't he? He said he his his vision was going blurry, and and that's what it looked like. You know, it looked like one of those cartoons where they've got birds circling above their <laughs> above their head it was just yeah pretty tough to watch actually mm. at times um women's title uh, men's title rather sorry won by 
Nick Kyrgios, the Washington DC specialist. It is absolutely the Nick Kyrgios sweet spot, isn't it? The ATP Washington. He beat Yoshihito Nishioka 6-4, 6-3 in the final. And he did the double. Won the doubles title with Jack Sock beating Ivan Dodig and Austin Krychek. And am I right that there was one day where he played two singles and a doubles match or, or one and a half singles and a doubles match. And I was looking at that schedule thinking he's going to pull out of this double surely. And he didn't. He played it all. He won it all. And on he cracked. Yeah, he, he, um, he, he wasn't broken the entire week on his serve. And, uh, and that's despite a, an absolute epic against Francis Tiafo, who, who he had to save five match points against in order to, to win. And, and I was, I watched the, uh, the second set tiebreak of that, which, which Kyrgios won 12, 10. He's a set down. He won that 12, 10. And that included, uh, the fourth match point. Tiafo smacked this serve down at 127 miles an hour, right into the corner. And Kyrgios, you know, with that two-handed bunt returner his, he just put the ball on the back edge of the line for a clean winner. I mean, it was, you know, I suppose the, you might say there's an element of luck to that, but that particular shot of his was, and the serve, the two-handed backhand and the serve were so reliable all week long. And and I mean, look, you're right, this is this is familiar territory. He has, he has won that tournament before and looked incredibly happy with life there, and then it hasn't kind of led to much after that. Um, I would say he, it was it was a more professional win this time than last time. Last time was all the fun of of the fair kind of thing. This was playing tennis most of the time and sticking to that. Uh, although Francis Tiafoe looked a bit angry at the end of his match against him, but um, no, this was a a very dangerous looking Kyrgios. It was a result. I mean, in keeping with his season really I mean I know it's the first time he's won a title this season but he has been playing very well whenever he's played and I do think I go back a lot to that quote he gave um, kind of jokingly I think straight after Wimbledon but it was serious at the same time where he said that you know if he'd if he'd won Wimbledon he might have lost his motivation I actually think that losing that final in a way is probably the best thing in terms of prolonging his career because I think he's got a little bit of a a taste for it now in terms of wanting to see what happens when he properly dedicates himself and when he really does put his mind to it. I, I, I think I think he wants to find out how good he can get. Um and, you know, a week like this he he played players that, you know, were kind of comfortable for him, I think. Um he's still only beaten Sits a pass as a top ten player in, in in this run. We haven't really seen him play, you know, the absolute top players. I suppose. Um, obviously, Nadal pulled out at Wimbledon. That wasn't his fault. But I'm interested to see, for example, next week when he plays potentially Daniil Medvedev in his first match mm. in in Canada. Um, so in his second match, if he beats Sebastian Baez, he would play Daniil Medvedev. That would be a fantastic test for both of them. I think. So it's it's kind of t- tough to judge just exactly where Kyrgios's level is but you know an unmotivated Kyrgios is a dangerous player a motivated Kyrgios is is a different thing altogether I think and uh, our favorite of his signature moves is back 
or at least it was once um, <laughs> in, in one match. He, he did the thing where he goes to the back of the court, asks somebody where he should serve a match point, and um, <laughs> did as he was told. Uh, actually, I think he missed the serve, <laughs> but then he he repeated it in the second serve and, and won the match. But yeah, it, it further example of how 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 the place fits him. But but he, he generally kept it to to tennis. I mean, he still. He still jabbers away, which which is clearly something. I I know he gets on very well with Francis Tiafo, and they'd been talking about having their first ever match against each other, and and there was good good vibes between them. But Tiafo got fed up of the, of the the constant yapping to the umpire, um, and and it, it is if you're an umpire, I don't, I would not be able to handle it. I would not. I would have to just tell him to shut up. Obligatory um, question here. Does it mean anything? Matt seems to think it might mean something a bit more than than the last time Kyrgios won Washington 2019 and we boarded the hype train and, and it all ended with that sort of slightly depressing podcast recorded in the in our in my hotel lobby where we watched him come back from his absolute tonking by uh, by Andrei Rublev in the third round. Mm. Mm. Well, I, th- I think he is playing the most consistent professional tennis of his career. Whether that means anything, I, I, I guess we'll have to wait and see. I, mean, I, I... Does, does winning the singles and doubles, is he fitter? Yeah. Is he fitter than he's ever been? Yeah, I would say so. Does I, that mean something, I, th- I, think I think? that is a factor, actually. I think uh, I think playing the doubles is good for him, um, physically and mentally. I think all in every way, I think it is good for him. And, so, I mean, staging a revolution, David, is, well, would be good for anyone. I mean, in, 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 that, in that regard, he has been good to his word because he's kept on playing doubles, um, which I, I really doubted whether he would do. I thought he would play the Australian Open and lose interest, uh, to be honest. Well, he, he likes it, doesn't he? He, he, yeah. he likes team sports. He's open about that. He prefers team sports to tennis. So, yeah, keep, keep, keep the revolution going, Nick. If we're talking about it meaning something, are we talking about the US Open? I guess we probably are. Yes, we are, Matt. I'm saying, is he going to well, win look, the US Open? Well, look, I mean, Open? he reached the final of the last Grand Slam and he lost to a player who's probably not going to be there. Mm. So, so, is he in the mix? Please finish Maybe. that sentence. Is he, in the, he might be in the mix for the US Open right now. Is he in the, if you're doing the mix now, is he in it? I think he probably is, you know. Mm, I'd say no, but I might change my mind. Um, you know, we'll we'll see. Okay. David Law is yet to put <laughs> put uh, Ons Jabeur in a mix, so he's. I think I've, re- I've stingy. I think I've let that go now. Is Doria Kazakina in the mix? Oh, that's a good question. I haven't really compiled a, a mix yet. Um, that's why I'm asking, putting you on the spot. I, I mean, I'm going to say no, but then I haven't really given a lot of thought to the mix yet. Remember the balls at the USA from David. <laughs> Big factor. I mean, if it, look, if he serves like that, I just, I just still think best of five sets where you don't have the the help of the surface. He is going to malfunction. He is going to get in his own way. Somebody's going to hang on in a match. Players peak at Grand Slams. He's going to play against players who are playing their best stuff at that tournament. And he is going to come apart at the seams, most likely, because that is the that is the history. That's what we've got to go on. I th- 
think what you just said is not in the mix. Yeah, I did. Mm. But Matt, he's in your mix. <laughs> we, we we have a mixed disagreement. This feels what, like a what, what, shake-up. What, what, I feel like David would normally be the one putting Kyrgios in the mix, yeah. and I would not be. What's what happened? about you, Catherine? Would you what, what would you say? I I think I agree with you, David. I would be surprised, given everything you said, that I wholeheartedly agree with. I would be surprised if Nick Kyrgios won the US Open. But let's see. Let's see what he puts together over the next couple of weeks. Just just on uh, on the guy he beat in the final, Yoshihito Nishioka. He, he I, I, I don't know whether this affected things at all, but he played a three-hour, 49-minute match against Dan Evans, who has still yet to beat him. 5-0, and oh, that head-to-head now. Wow. wow. Nishioka I, has a pigeon. I, I love... A quirky head to head. So I, I, I very nearly texted Evans to say, You'll get him one day. And then I thought <laughs> better of it. After four hours in 400 degrees. <laughs> four four days on, that. I still haven't done it yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, we should mention before we move on, by the way, from Nick Kyrgios, that his court date relating to a common assault charge following allegations of assaulting an ex-girlfriend has been pushed back by three weeks. It was meant to take place on August 2nd. It's now scheduled for August 23rd. But Kyrgios, we understand, is not required to attend that court session um, as he'll be legally represented. So from what we understand, he is permitted to compete in the US Open. A uh, couple of other notable things from Washington. Mikhail Immer reaching the semi-finals, beating Andy Murray, uh, or the sort of the remains of Andy Murray <laughs> <laughs> along the way. He he can look quite some player. Lovely player Mikhail to watch. Immer, lovely player to watch. I I don't understand why he's not better because I sort of I tune into him when he's. I guess, you know, and he's already recorded a result or two and when he's generally playing well and I think, bloody hell, this guy's great. And then he'll disappear for a bit, completely off the radar. I don't I don't quite understand what's holding him back. Mm. No, me neither, because like you said, whenever I watch him, I'm always impressed. He's such a great athlete and such a great mover on the court. And it was actually this time last year, more or less, when he, he got to the Winston-Salem final. He beat Alcaraz, he beat Tiafo, Um And I really felt like, OK, that was the moment he was going to make his move. And he's, he's drifted back outside the top 100 before before this week. He's back in there now, thanks to these points. Um, but yeah, he was really good. He, and again, the pattern of his matches was the same. He kept winning the first set, losing the second, and then coming back and, and winning the third. He did it against Murray, Corder, Roussevori. He was really, you know, big wins, impressive wins, winning so many points on return. He couldn't, couldn't really get near the Kyrgios serve. But yeah, he, he, he's one that I would like to make a move up the rankings because I think he's great in interviews as well. He's he's charming, he's funny, he's 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 good quotes. Um yeah, and he's he's a, he's a good story generally and I think other than the odd result here and there, he does he he loses in the first round so often. Mm, a lot. Yeah. Uh, just before we move on to Los Cabos, the I should have mentioned that the women's doubles title in Washington was won by Jessica Bagula and Erin Routcliffe 
uh, of New Zealand. They won two matches in a day. There were a lot of they get a lot of thunderstorms in Washington this time of year, so they had a couple of washouts later on in the day. And matches held over. Um, and they also recorded a 6-3, 5-7, win over Anna Kalinskaya and Katie McNally in the final. I think that's what you call earning victory the hard way. Uh, David, no, you don't get points for Jessica Pagula <laughs> winning the doubles title. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Just head that one off at the pass because I definitely knew you were going to ask. Great idea. And Jessica Pagula there beating Katie McNally is interesting because Pagula now seems to be partnering Goff, other than that week, of course, but they're they're entered into Canada together rather than McNally and Goff. Um, Which is a shame because I would say Makoko is one of my more preferred (laughs) uh, doubles partnership nicknames. I know we don't like many of them, but I do quite like that one. And it is no more, alas. Uh, Submissions for a nickname for Pagula and Goff are very much welcome. This is what I don't like about it, is this, we have to shoehorn in something just because they're a partnership. No, we don't. But if somebody comes up with a good one, then (laughs) we'll we'll take it under advisement. But somebody will always have a shortened version, even if it's rubbish. Even if there's well, no us, possible David, fit. Not us, We've got higher standards than that. <laughs> On to Los Cabos, where Daniil Medvedev beat Cam Norrie, the defending champion, 7-6-6 love in the final. He's back, I guess, Daniil Medvedev. He looks, well, rested. He looks relaxed and happy. He looks, you know, the Daniil Medvedev that we've seen being a, a destroyer. On hardcourts, so I really didn't know what to expect from 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 him given given his time on the sidelines for for reasons that we've discussed and I feel like that's that's actually quite a big week for him. Mm. I think it's it's big for him as you said to come back from from not playing for a while um and also to win a final again. You know he, he hadn't won a final since the US Open last oh, year. Right. He he'd lost 5 in a row and and put in a couple of Quite Dodgy bad performances. performances. I'm mm. thinking mainly of the the one against Zverev in in the ATP finals, and and the one against our man Tim Van Rijthoven a few weeks ago. Um, but he looked good in this one, and Nori, I think, um, broke back, didn't he? Right at the end of that first set, when Medvedev had set points, and Nori broke back, and right there, I was thinking, oh, here we go again, maybe for Medvedev. And then he didn't lose another game in the entire match. He just he just stretched his um, his advantage and and was brilliant. Some of some of his backhand winners, some of his defensive points to to I think especially to get the double break in the second set. He looked really good. And yeah, this is traditionally his time of year. It's the surface and the sort of environment that he seems to really like playing in. And yeah, if he's if he's well rested compared to some of the others, it it could end up being you know, beneficial for him, I suppose. You know, such a long season. We so often talk about players needing breaks. And obviously this one, it's not just a break that he's chosen to take. It, it, you know, it was kind of enforced upon him and he wouldn't have wanted it. There was probably a lot to deal with, I suppose, um, mm. in terms of, you know, kind of justifying whether it was fair and all that kind of thing. I'm sure he was wrestling with big questions like that. But just the actual practicality of it might end up sort of favouring him in this this time of the year. Who knows? Mm. Doubles in Los Cabos won by Mimiketz Manovic, who I had 
didn't know played doubles before this week, and William Bloomberg, who I didn't know existed before this week. So let's call that a surprise win for Bloomberg and Ketsmanovich. Very well played. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. On to this week where we have WTA in Toronto and ATP in Montreal. And I love this format. Mm. Uh, I love these tandem events and them switching every year. Love, love, love. So what have we got in Toronto? We've got a top quarter which features all of the following players. Iga Shrontek, Leila Fernandez, Belinda Bencic, Serena Williams, Naomi Osaka and Garbina Muguruza all in one quarter. 31 slams. Jeez. And it was 33 because Azarenka was in there as well, but um, she's had her visa declined and has is, is, is had to pull out of the tournament. But she was in that section as well. Unbelievable. Uh, you've got Kanepi against Osaka with the winner to face Muguruza. Uh, in other sections of the draw, you've got the defending champion, Camilla Georgie, to face Emma Raducanu in round one. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, Annette Contivate, who's the, the second seed, she gets a bye through to round two, faces the winner of Venus Williams, who's got Jill Teichman in the first round. Sloane Stevens against Sophia Kennan, winner to face Maria Sakkari. Bogbora Kuchikova against Karolina Pliskova, winner uh, to probably face Amanda Anisimova. Daria Kazakina against Bianca Andrescu, winner to face either Garcia or Corne. Andrescu's in the Andy Murray spot, isn't she, of 
not being seeded at these events and just in desperate need of a good draw, I think. That's uh, that's really tough for her. Elena Rabakina has uh, Marie Buskova uh, in the round in round one with the winner to probably face Coco Goff. Um, Shrunt at the top seed, of course. Other seeds in her half, Zachary Jabur Muguruza. Conservate, as I said, the second seed. She's in there with Sabalenka, Badosa and Pagula. It's a big yes, please, to everything going on in Toronto. It looks wonderful when you lay it all out like that. I mean, I, I could not move for about 12 hours a day just watching <laughs> all, all of those matches. Well, you'll have to, to juggle your schedule, David, because Montreal is not looking too shabby either. Uh, no big three members there. And Novak Djokovic um, was unable to acquire an exemption to travel to Canada, so we draw the day, withdrew the day before the draw. Rafael Nadal withdrew a couple of days uh, before the draw. He put out a social media post explaining that he had hoped to feel fit and ready to play Montreal, but he just needs that bit of extra time. I I took that statement at face value that he still feels like he will get there for the US Open fitness-wise, but it's obviously not ideal for Rafael Nadal not to not to be playing in Canada somewhere where he traditionally does have a great record and and he is somebody that traditionally needs to play himself into form. He doesn't tend to hit the ground running in the same way that, that Novak Djokovic does. But there was, there was no cause for alarm, I don't think, in that statement. No, it didn't feel like it to me. And and I, I don't know. I mean, it, I don't want to try and play doctor where I've got no medical background. But at the same time, just the... When he pulled out of, of Wimbledon, it didn't feel to me like the US Open is in jeopardy at the time and uh and I, I would i would imagine him he would be quite conservative with how he approaches it and and i think that these players now they're at the point where they don't feel like they have to play all the lead-up events in order to be competitive at, at, at the u.s open best of five set matches he will back himself that if he's physically right he can be a, th- a threat at that tournament still mm. so what have we got in uh, Montreal. We have top seed Daniel Medvedev, who could very well face Nick Kyrgios in round number two. He's got to get past Sebastian Baez. Uh, we've got Denis Shapovalov against Alex de Menor round one. That match is later on this evening. Winner probably to face Grigor Dimitrov. Shapovalov, by the way, can't buy a win. My goodness me. And that's a tough first round draw for him. He is on an absolute shocker. Uh, of a run of form, so I uh, could desperately do with a win over Ale- uh, Alex de Menor, but that'll be tough. Uh, Alejandro Davidovich for Kina against Diego Schwartzman round one, Varinka against Rusevori, uh, with the winner to face her catch. Hugo Gaston against Jack Draper that match later on this evening, winner to face Sitsipas. Andy Murray, uh, Taylor Fritz, that matches tonight as well, with the winner probably to face Francis Tiafo. Alcaraz is the second seed. Uh, did you see the footage of his practice with Yannick Sinner? Oh, yes. Oh, that I, that is a rivalry that I'm increasingly 
excited about. And I and from the footage of their practice, I f- feel like they might be excited about it as well. But they like mm. each other, don't they? And I yeah. think that they, I think that they they really rate each other, and and they. Yeah, they probably do get a buzz out of. I mean, I haven't seen this this footage. I'm, uh, I must. I'll go send you a link, David, oh, because there is there is one point that they play that is it sets Twitter a, a buzz. Oh. <laughs> it's extraordinary. Alcaraz ends up flat on his back. Sounds a bit like me and Sully all Simon. <laughs> and then they hug. You know, there's a real sort of game meets game mm, vibe great. about those two. Yeah, it's really cool. It's really really cool. Uh, so Alcaraz, the second seed, Sinner is in his half, as is Rublev, Sitsipas, Berrettini, Medvedev. As I said, the top seed in his half, Kyrgios, who potential round two opponent, Hercatch, Nori, Rude, and Felix Auger Aliassime. So that's your your Canada smorgasbord, folks. And given that there's so much happening, we'll be back on Thursday for a, a midway update pod on all things Montreal and Toronto. And it's also great that there's two locations in Canada because if it's raining in one, like it is at the moment yes. in Montreal, I believe, then hopefully you can still watch tennis in the other one and they're currently playing in, in Toronto. So that works well. They haven't got any roofs, have they? No. No roofs. But also, no bad shadows. Ah. Mm. So swings and roundabouts. Yeah, good point. And good, mm. good points all round. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, David. <laughs> Our mascot this week, folks, is called Lucy Serena Williams-Peterson. <laughs> She's an eight-year-old mixed poodle breed. What's she mixed with? That's what I want to know. Uh, do you have that information, Matt? Can I speak? just speculate please do i think i think that's why that all the information hasn't been given they want you to well, speculate she's she's got quite short legs um relative to her body so i wonder it could be a a maltese just looking at her face lovely little face um there's a it's a lovely picture we'll have it in our newsletter folks which you'll all be subscribing to anyway so that you can become a friend and enter our wilson us open tickets competition uh but you'll also want to see lucy serena williams peterson and what you'll see in the picture is that there is another dog behind lucy who looks really grumpy about not being chosen (laughs) as the mascot (laughs) like why is why is lucy getting all the limelight um, Genuinely so my, grumpy. <laughs> that's my guess. Multi a multi poo. That's what a Maltese and a poodle cross is. That's my guess. Um, let me know. Let me know if I'm right. Who's Lucy owned by? Uh, Lucy is owned by Anne. Oh, Anne, please, please let me know if I'm if I'm anywhere close to right. Um, I do enjoy a guess the breed dog game. We have our mascots. David has Darwin. Darwin. I've got Carter. We played it safe this week, Carter, and we've learned a lesson that playing it safe pays off. Not doesn't pay big, but it does pay off. Uh, we went with top seed Daniil Medvedev, and turns out that's a strategy <laughs> that works out eight quite well. <laughs> yeah. Matt has the dearly departed Gerald. 
Billy Jean has is sponsored by Billy Jean King and Ilana Kloss. We have our executive producers Chris Albert Lee and Carl Weingartner. They are both top blokes, and we have shout outs, Matt. We have Lisa Casey in Sydney, Australia. Right, Lisa. Hello, Lisa. Like uh, Paul Casey, the golfer. And Lisa Raymond. Yes. Correct. Who was one heck of a doubles player. Yeah. You did what I was thinking. Oh, goodness, I can't think of a tennis Lisa. You've done very well there, Matt. (laughs) Thank you. You've done Lisa proud. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks for your support. We've also got Michaela McLean in New York City. Hello, like Michaela Krychek. Yes. Very good. Very good. That's the th- Michaela McLean is a great name. So we've had two Krychek's mentioned in this edition of the show, <laughs> and neither of them is the Wimbledon champion of 1996. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, but Michaela, thank you. Michaela, thank you. That is a, a fantastic name you've got there. I do enjoy alliteration. And we also have Alan Yong in Chichester, which is very near me. Oh, right, Alan. very near you. Mm. Have we ever had any tennis players called Alan? I can't think of well, any. Well, Alan Mills, the former oh. um, Wimbledon referee. Oh, and um, Alan Little, to who we owe the Wimbledon yes. Library. He, um, I believe he suggested it should be built. He compiled the Wimbledon Compendium for many years. Fantastic. And speaking of um, tennis library Allens, this is, it's getting very niche, isn't it? Uh, Alan Chalmers, David, that used to um, run the little pop-up library at the Royal Albert Hall event that we used to be involved in. Yeah, the tennis bookshop. And uh, Mm. used to go to lots of tournaments and run that and have the most incredible um, inventory of just gems from the mm. history of tennis. Mm. If you wanted buy, to buy Mansoor Brahmi's The Man Behind the Moustache, then Alan Chalmers, the man to go to. Yeah, you, I remember Mansoor used to sit there if people would line up to have them signed. Mm. Yep, that's how book signing works. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> anyway... None of them were as good as Alan Yonge. Thank you very much, Alan, for your support. Chichester, lovely part of the world. Uh, This has been the Tennis Podcast. Don't worry, folks, you won't have to miss us for long. We'll be back on Thursday with a Canada Midway podcast. So thank you for listening. Sign up to the newsletter, enter the competition, do all the things, tell your friends, leave us an iTunes review, and we'll speak to you on Thursday. 